three, two, one. There we go. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. From Luther's daily devotion, today the theme is floating on God's promise. And using Genesis 9, verse 1, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fertile, increase in number, and fill the earth. The terror of God's anger had come to an end. The earth itself had been ruined, and all life had been destroyed. Now the blessing God promised to Noah and his sons was about to begin. They were going to restart the human race. No doubt they had fears as they waited for this to be accomplished. Living solely by faith is a difficult way of life. Noah and his family lived this way with their eyes fixed on heaven. The world was covered with water. There was no dry ground to walk on. God's words were their only support as they floated on top of the water. When people aren't in physical danger, they consider faith as something insignificant. But look at Noah. He was surrounded by water, nearly swallowed by the flood. He wasn't saved through his own efforts, but by through relying on God's mercy. He had confidence because he trusted what God had said. The words God remembered in Genesis 8.1 indicate just how difficult Noah's situation was. Moses points out that Noah drifted aimlessly on the water for so long that he felt as if God had forgotten him. Some people struggle with similar thoughts, feeling that they are living in darkness and without God's favor. People who feel that God has forgotten them soon find out that living by God's word alone, living by faith, is more difficult than practicing a lifestyle of rigorous spiritual discipline. Did you ever wonder what Noah did for, wasn't it over a year in the ark? Building? Well, no building, it was a hundred years. Building. building it was, yeah, it was a long time. But 40, 40, it rained for 40 days. 40 days and 40 nights, and they were in the ark for a year before they came out. I'm pretty sure that's close. Anyway, talk about living by faith. Noah had to dip. By the way, there's a cute joke. Uh, why did Moses take two by two animals on the ark? Two by two. Thank you, you caught it. It wasn't Moses, it was Noah. <laughs> I, I always fall for those. We're on lesson 17. I believe we made it through question 7. We're ready for question 8. And I want to go ahead and read again from Revelation 14. Let's start at verse 6. This is the section of the three angels. We got through the first two, but let's go ahead and read the context again. Someone read seven, eight, six, seven, and 8 of Revelation 14. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Another angel, a second, followed saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, she who made all nations drink the wine of passion of her sexual immorality. Okay, someone grab it and start at 9 and read through, uh, take it through 13. A third angel followed him and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on the forehead or on the hand, he too will drink of the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. 
You will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment rises forever and ever. There is no rest, day or night, for those who worship the beast in his image, or for anyone who receives the mark of his name. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints who obey God's commandments and remain faithful to Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor. Thank you. Thanks. Um, in, in the vision of the three angels, what two main doctrines are mentioned, at least indirectly? What two main doctrines of the Bible? This goes back to confirmation instruction. What are the two great doctrines of the Bible? Law and gospel. Law and gospel. Is there law? In the what the angels are saying, give me a word or two that summarizes what's to come, and especially the second and third angels. Punishment. Give me another word. Punishment is correct. I want another word for it. Fallen. Fallen. I heard it. Judgment. Yeah. Uh, where's the gospel in this? Which angel carries the gospel? Okay, there's there's gospel there. Look early in that section there. First one says what? With an eternal gospel, yeah. Um, on that first angel, what does he tell people to do? Fear God. Good. Good. One more. Worship. Worship. Worshipped him. Who did what? Made heaven. Give me a name for God there. God is the creator. creator. Yeah, he created everything. Everything. Does the Bible anywhere besides Genesis talk about God being creator? In the beginning. That's in Genesis. John. John. Now here's one right here, right? Yeah. The Psalms have it. You know, some people say, well, Genesis is just a story and, you know, we don't really have to believe the story of Genesis. Yes, we do. It's in the Bible. And here's, another, here's one place actually in the last book of the Bible that says God did what? Created. Created. Made everything. So God is the creator. The second angel, we talked, I think, a little bit last time. We kind of commented in the notes here that Babylon the Great uh, was maybe a reference to Rome of John's day, which was a wicked city, government, empire, in much the same way that it was Babylon of old. And uh, what is the pronouncement upon the second, or upon Babylon the Great? It is what? It's condemned. It is fallen. Yes. Modern day. In translation, has been that Babylon is the United States. Ah, can we do that? <laughs> well, are there similarities? There are very strong, strong similarities. I guess you know we could say any governing authority that goes against the will of God mm -hmm. and promotes. Secularism, materialism, promotes immorality and corruption. They would fit the, the topic, the theme, right? Right. Yeah. I, you know, whether I might might be a little bit of a stretch to say that it's current. The current Babylon is the United States. I would also include in that then, if that's the case, I think we could include. Communism. Of course we could. Because you're atheist. And Islam. There's a lot of countries under the realm of the Islamic how about, how faith. About, how about the Jewish nation who don't believe in Jesus as their... He who honors the Son honors the Father who sent me. He who does not honor the Son 
I'm quoting scripture here. Does not honor who? I'll start that verse again. He who honors the Son honors the Father who sent me. But he who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? If you have the Son, you have the Father. But if you don't have the Son, you don't have the Father. So maybe we could go with that. Anybody who does not have God the Father... Well, isn't Revelation current uh, or today We're in, rather than uh, creation being... Remember, remember the time of Revelation is between the first and second coming of Christ. That's an easy way to yeah, put, the, right, right. put the timing of Revelation. So yes, we're currently in the, in the time period of Revelation. So it might be a country <coughs> in today's world. It could just be today's world. There you go. Yeah. There you go. And 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 the the warnings are applicable to any time, right? Always. Yes. There's the is there an unbelieving segment of our world? What seems to be the current status? More or less believers in the world. There's a statement made that uh, Christianity is growing in China and Africa, but it's not growing in the United States. What would what would we say was happening in the United States? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there's there's tendencies and there's ebb and flows and so on, but yeah, we we kind of get do the dangerous thing of thinking that the United States is the only center of Christianity. That's not true. It's not true. Well, let's go to the third angel. Um, The third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, anyone who worships the beast and his image and receives the mark on the forehead or on the hand, what is his... Outcome. Be thrown into the lake of fire. All right. In front of. He's going to drink from God's cup of wrath, and he will be tormented by burn with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angel of the Lamb and the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment rises up forever and ever. Name that place. Can we say that? Sure. Does the Bible teach the existence of hell? Look at question number eight. Dare we join the modern tendency to discount hell as imagery? Answer that question. No. Why not? It's not true. (laughs) Say it again. The Bible tells us. Yeah. If the... Can I, can I quote this? You've seen this on a bumper sticker. If the Bible says it, it's true. It's true. Or I believe it or whatever. Does the Bible say hell exists? Yes. May I take a few minutes to give you some Bible passages that indicate hell and its circumstances? Would you care to do that? Yeah, why not? Okay, we're, 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 we're getting off the lesson here. Is that oh, all right? No. Oh, no! <laughs> Have we ever done that before? All right, just... I'm going to give a bunch of Bible readings just to show you there's a bunch of places in the Bible that mentions hell or its circumstances. So, yes, ma'am. We just got a new book Yes, ma'am. church library uh-huh. that is called Hell is Real. Good. <laughs> Hell is real. And the man who wrote it, there's a caption underneath that said, I don't like it, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that? And it was written by a pastor. Yeah. Yeah. Does the Bible teach hell? Yes. Does the Bible teach heaven? Yes, absolutely. Only one way. All right, let's look at some scriptures that mention hell 
Um, I'm tempted. I'm just going to go back and forth. I'm just going to stay in the Gospel of Matthew and I'm going to let you people read it for me. I want Matthew 8, 12. Matthew 8, 12. And then the next one, if someone wants to look ahead a little bit, I want Matthew 13, 42. We'll kind of give you a couple at a time. Matthew 8, 12. Anybody have it? Matthew 8.12 says, But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay. It doesn't say hell there, does it yet? This is the... This is outer darkness, which is... Give me some, well, I, I, I got ahead of myself. Before we go into the Bible, give me some things we know about hell. What, some description. It's hot. It's forever. It lasts forever. Separation from, God. Separation from God. There's no way out. There's no escape. There's a deep chasm they cannot converse Okay, there's, with there's, there's no... Relationship. Good. No relationship between heaven and hell. And no crossing over between the two. Right. We're going to see that in Luke. No, no. Give me some of the... the, the uh, Emotions or feelings or whatever that are hell. Weeping. Gnashing of teeth. Say it. Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. No hope. That's from Dante's Inferno. No hope. Yeah. Is that saying your English teacher's room was hell? <laughs> Oh my! But what what does gnashing of teeth indicate? Pain. Pain and maybe. How about anger? Pain and anger, gnashing of teeth. What does weeping indicate? Sorrow. Sorrow. Maybe despair. Despair, and also pain, maybe. Yeah. What does outer darkness indicate? Darkness out there. There's no presence of God. What was the first thing God created on day one? Light. Hell is a place that has none of God's created light. No justice. No justice. No, no, no conversion. No. And how long is it going to last? Ever and ever and ever. You know, when you look at the description of hell and its circumstances or consequences, it would almost scare the hell out of <laughs> And yet, that's, that's no way to get anybody into heaven, but it, it'd make you not want to go there, right? The only way to heaven is by the work of the Holy Spirit through the gospel. But if you study what Scripture says about hell, it's not a place anybody would want to go. Well... Well, why is it so hard to get people to not think, I mean, think about going to heaven rather than hell? Why is it so hard? I don't believe it. It's I know, but why? Because the devil is crafty. They just don't believe the devil really is a hell. The devil is pretty crafty. Devil's behind that, maybe? Yeah. The devil is like a wolf in sheep's clothing, right? So he likes to paint a good picture. Makes it fun. Which, yeah. Which is okay. Now we're now I'm ready for Matthew. Matthew eight, twelve. Subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That doesn't say hell there, but I think it's a good indication for it. I want Matthew thirteen forty two. They will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh, now we got something that wasn't in the first one. That's right. What? Heat. Fiery furnace, and what's the consequence? Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Didn't we hear that before? A lot of gnashing of teeth. Yes, there's going to be. And then the same chapter, verse 50. Matthew 13, verse 50. Fiery furnace where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay. 
Turn to Turn to Matthew 22. Matthew 22, I want verse 13, and then we'll do Matthew 24, verse 51. Matthew 22, verse 13. Someone. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's the statement that's connected with Jesus' parable of the wedding banquet. If you're not in, in, in the wedding banquet, what, where are you thrown? The darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay. Matthew. Was that Matthew 22? It was, wasn't it? I want Matthew 24, verse 51. Matthew 24, verse 51. Someone read that one, please. You will cut him into pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There it is again. Now, if we were to do this right, we would spend time in looking at the context of this, but I don't have the time to do that. So there's another statement. Who's making these statements, by the way? Jesus, Jesus is. The dentist. Huh? The dentist. The dentist. <laughs> Oh, I could digress. <laughs> this, this, this is, I'm just going to say this and not try to make any more comments. This sound sends me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Ah, gnashing of teeth for sure. Good. Okay, I want Matthew 25. And this is uh, verse 30. Someone read that one. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's over and over and over again. Right? Okay, while we're still in Matthew, now, by the way, those were specifically verses that uses the, the terminology, the imagery of a fiery furnace and the gnashing of teeth and weeping. Okay, now let's go back in Matthew to chapter 7. Let's see if we can find the word hell anywhere. I want Matthew 7, verse 13, and then we'll go back to Matthew 5. Matthew 7, verse 13. Someone, please. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. Okay, what this doesn't specifically say hell. What is the what is the opposite of going through the narrow gate? A place of destruction. destruction okay? And how many are headed that way? And how many are going through the gate? Few. Look at the next verse. Few. Few. Wow. Yeah. Okay, now I want Matthew 5. I want first verse 22, then verse 29, then verse 30. Matthew 5, 22. Someone please. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Is word hell in there? What's connected with it? Fire. Hellfire. Verse 29, someone. Your right eye causes you to sin. Gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Who's talking here? Jesus. Did Jesus acknowledge the existence of hell? Yes. And then verse 30. You that one of your members perish rather than your whole body to be cast into hell. Good. There the word hell is again. Matthew 18, verse 9. Matthew 18, verse 9. 
someone. Similar to what Jesus says earlier. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. So I'll mention there, by the way, if we would cut out and gouge our eyes out every time we sin, how many people would be seeing? <laughs> it wouldn't take a couple. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you only get two cents. You only get two cents. Okay, I want Matthew 23. Matthew 23, verse 15 and 33. Matthew 23. Whoa. Whoa. How about that? Now, Jesus in chapter 23 is pronouncing the seven woes upon the Pharisees. What does he say just in that verse where the Pharisees are headed? And just what was read? Where are the Pharisees headed? To hell. And anybody they get as a convert to follow them does what? Also goes to hell. Wow. And that's the... The religious leaders of the day. Now, scribes, they were the people that wrote. Right. And, and mm -hmm. he, so. Yeah, how do you, Does the Old Testament teach hell, by the way? We've just been looking in Matthew, right? Yeah. Well, I'm not done with Matthew. I promise you we'll go to an Old Testament verse yeah, here in a little bit. Yeah, I want Matthew 23, verse 33. Verse 33. You snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? Jesus is pretty straightforward with that, right? Mm -hmm. Pretty sharp. How are you going to avoid hell? Who is he talking to? Uh, Pharisees. Pharisees. Yeah, Pharisees. yeah, you bet. All right, I, I said that we would look in an Old Testament scripture. Look in Isaiah 66, verse 24. Isaiah 66, verse 24. That's in the Old Testament, right? <laughs> Isaiah 66, 24. Anybody have it? And they shall go out and look on the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against me. For their worms shall not die, their fires shall not be quenched, and they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. Can I get hell out of that? Here's something kind of curious. What is what are they seeing? What's visible? Dead bodies. But what is not dead yet? The soul. Good. And what where is that indicated in those verses? Good. What word is used to indicate something continues to exist? There, what does not die? They're worms. I don't think it means the maggots that are crawling on the dead body skins. Although that is kind of a gross way, isn't it? Yeah, that's, but their worm will not die. What does worm mean there? I don't know. It's something continues to exist, right? Something is left. It's the soul. And what's going on with the soul? It, Where? It, well, the eternal fire that cannot be. Will a will a fire extinguisher do any good in hell? No. No. I I can't imagine that. Have you ever burned yourself on something? Just a little bit. I mean, just a little bit, and it. Even on your finger, how does that hurt? Like hell. <laughs> <laughs> and now imagine, uh, and what can you do with your finger to relieve the pain? Ice it, put it under cold water for a while. Usually you put it in your mouth. 
Can you imagine that over your whole body and never getting out of it and never being relieved from the pain? Isn't that enough to scare a person? Looks to me like you'd get burned up and it'd be over. You would think. But it's in what we read in Revelation. The smoke goes up how long? Forever and ever. Wow. Uh, let's see here. Let's go to Luke. By the way, that Isaiah passage is one passage that does acknowledge that there is hell. Okay? I want to go to the Gospel of Luke. Matthew, Mark. Well, let's... Yeah, let's do Luke. I want Luke 13. Luke 13. I want Luke 13, verse... Uh, let's see what verse do I want. 28. Luke 13, verse 28. Someone read that, please. There will be weeping and there will be gnashing of teeth. And you see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. And you yourselves... Thrown out. And you yourselves thrown out. Now, that means that people from in hell can see heaven. Hmm. Uh -oh. You don't Hmm. That? I don't know. What do you think? I've never thought about it. Well, at least, I think at least we can say this. They'll know they're not in heaven. <laughs> Will we recognize one another in eternity? That's a question that's hard to... I think we will. And it's indicated in these verses when they see who there. But we won't be able to see them. We won't be able to see them. That may be true. But will we recognize one another in heaven? Give me an indication. That's a hint in what we just read. They'll see who? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Who else will we see? Jesus, God, and we know Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration was standing with who? Yeah. Well, Moses and Elijah. There's some recognition going on, right? I think we'll recognize one another in heaven. Then that leads to the question, but what if we recognize that someone's not there? No. No. No, that would make us sad. And nothing will make us sad. Or will it matter? Well, it can't change it. Can't Will change we it. be sad when we get to heaven? Huh? Will we be sad? No, there's no, sad. there's no sadness. Yeah. Right. So, well, let's do a little more. I also said there's you know, male or female. Right. Oh, yeah. While we're in Luke, let's go to the story Jesus told. And I love this story because it, whether it's a real event or a story like a parable, there's... Um, some questions on that, but it's the rich man and Lazarus. Oh, yeah. I love that. And the rich man... Well, let's talk about Lazarus first. He was a beggar. He had sores. He died and went where? To heaven. What's the... What's the you're right. What's Jesus use in the story? Sure. Goes to the... Paradise. Yeah. Goes to the bosom of Abraham. Abraham. Where's Abraham? Heaven. Heaven. And Jesus acknowledges that, by the way. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Oh, there's so much in this. It's unbelievable. The story of the rich man and Lazarus. We want to spend a little, Can I spend a little bit of time with that? Why not? Why not? That's good. All right. There was a rich man. This is verse 19. Who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. Where's Abraham? Where's the beggar? In heaven. What part of him is in heaven? His soul. Because what happened to his body? It died. But something lives on. His soul. Whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Carried, and who's involved with this entry into heaven? Angels. Angels. I like that. The rich man also died and was buried. What was buried? 
body. And the next words it says in hell. <laughs> well, where was his body? In, in the ground. So what's in hell? His soul. In hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away. He's in what condition in that place? In torment. In torment. So he calls out, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus. Hey, but Lazarus is dead. To dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. Okay, what's, where's his existence in hell? What, what's he experiencing in hell? Fire. fire. And what's his feeling? He's gnashing his teeth. He's, he's weeping and gnashing his teeth and is in torment and pain. Think of this. This has always struck me as ironic. Send Lazarus to dip his finger to touch my tongue. His tongue's laying in the dirt. But he's experiencing hell as if he still has his body. Mm -hmm. And he, it, hell is so bad that even one drop of water, how long will that last in the fire? He's so much agony that even one drop of water sounds wonderful. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he's comforted here and you are in agony. What's the experience of heaven according to those words? Comfort. What's the experience of hell? Agony. And besides all this between us and you as a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor anyone can cross over from there to us. Who would want to go from heaven to hell? Yeah. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house. I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. What does he know about his five brothers? That they're likely to hit them. That they're like him. And what does he call Abraham? He claims Abraham father, his father. He's Jewish. Exactly. Does having Abraham as your father mean anything? Nothing. Unless you're speaking in a spiritual way. Abraham is our spiritual father. But what does he know about his five brothers? They're going to go to hell too. <laughs> Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. What does that say? They have the scripture. They have the scripture. If they won't listen to the scripture, then even someone coming back from the dead wouldn't convince them. Jesus. Wow. <laughs> Someone rises from the dead means their soul goes back into their body and they come back to life. That's a wonderful story that teaches a whole lot of theology about heaven and hell. Okay, I want to go back to Mark verse nine, chapter 9, verse 48. Mark chapter 9, verse 48. Believe it or not, I'm almost done with hell. Mark 9, verse 48. Jesus is quoting something here. Mark 9, verse 48. Someone please read it. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the third, I mean, to the blind man. Cheer up on your feet. He is calling you. Wait a minute, I think we're in the wrong Mark reference. Wrong I, want, Mark I want Mark 9. Mark 9, verse 48. 48, okay. Okay. I think I can hear it on the video. All right. <laughs> Where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Jesus is talking about... Well, let's read verse 47 and 48. Someone read 47 first. Go ahead and read it again. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Why am I picking out this verse? We read that verse in Isaiah 46. Isaiah 46 didn't say hell. But Jesus uses that quote from Isaiah 46 to say that is hell. Did he use the word hell? 
where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Does the Old Testament, according to Jesus, teach of hell? Yes. yes. Very clearly. Yes. All right. Okay, I want one more passage. I want 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. Where did God cast the angels when they revolted? On to the earth. on the earth. What's that verse say? Hell. To hell. Well, this must be hell then. <laughs> you bring up an interesting thought that we don't, it's kind of hard for us to put this because we think in spatial terms, but it, God cast the devil and the angels to hell and yet they they roam on earth, right? I mean, there's and there's the, there is the bottomless pit and there's the abyss and there's the lake of fire and those things. Is Satan and, and the angels and demons in hell now? Well, you know, we're saying that once you get in hell, you don't get out. So can they ex can their existence be an existence of hell while they're doing their dirty deeds on earth? Uh, they haven't been judged yet because Christ is coming back to judge. Maybe that's it. But when he cast them out of, out of heaven, wasn't that a judgment? Well, uh, and where did he cast them to? To earth. He cast them to hell according to, what was it, Second Peter? First uh, Peter, what was it? Second Peter 2, verse 4. And who saw that happening? Who saw... Who, Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So Jesus was in existence, obviously the Son of God. Saw this casting out of the devil and his cohorts into hell. And yet they're also called the prince of the power of the air. There seems to be an existence of hell as the devil is doing his thing here on earth. Yeah, seems to be. Yeah. And that's something I can't really wrap my head around. Here, here's something that was really, it came up a while back. But demons knew Jesus because ah. they had been in heaven. Exactly. Well, what, what did Jesus tell the demons to do when he would cast them out? <laughs> be quiet. Shut up. <laughs> I don't need your advice. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Well, we didn't answer any questions, but you now have some... Does the Bible teach hell? Oh, yes. Back to Revelation. Revelation 14. Isn't that where we're at? I want verse 10 and 11, please. Revelation 14, verse 10 and 11. This is the third angel. We read it earlier. Read it again. Making specific... He too will drink of the wine of God's fury which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. He will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. And 11. And the smoke of their torment rises forever and ever. There is no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and his image or for anyone who receives the mark of his name. Not a pretty picture. That's why. How long does it last? Forever and ever. Forever and ever. And what is going on? Gnashing of teeth. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Burning sulfur, which is fire. And it's all a result of God's wrath. We sometimes... I don't want to say forget. We sometimes... I don't know what else to say. Ignore. We like to gloss over. Yes, thank you. Perfect. We like to gloss over the severity yeah. of hell yeah. does, and, and the severity of God's wrath. This third angel is talking about the full wrath of God upon those who have the mark of the beast, which is another way of saying, remember who that is? Mm -hmm. Who are those that follow him? Fallen angels, Fallen angels and unbelievers. unbelievers. And what's their end if that doesn't change? 
There's two places in eternity. So forget all this stuff about <laughs> purgatory, limbo. Uh, what's 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 the current pop thing? You migrate from one existence to another. What's that called? Reincarnation, transmigrating, all this stuff. There's two places of eternity. There's heaven and there's hell. No. Period. Yes, sir. When? When what? When you all the people that have died are they in hell now? What did the rich man do? A rich man was in hell because he didn't believe. And so that we're talking about judgment day. That day come to each person who dies? As to their instantaneous As to their soul, yes. As to their body, no. When does their body get the judgment? Jesus. In the resurrection. And Jesus is going to stand and separate the sheep from the goats. Now, there is a school of thought that says when we die, we feel no existence until the judgment day. I tend to be a little bit more when I die, I'm going to be in the presence of Christ. I'm going to paradise. Those are all scriptural things. The thief on the cross. Uh, Paul says to live as to die is gain to live as Christ. And you've got the story of the rich man. And Lazarus, who, even though his body was buried, he was in hell hell and in torment. So I think in much the same way that believers who experience paradise in the presence of Christ and joy and comfort and peace and rest and all of that, with whatever that means, according to our soul, the unbelievers experience hell in according to their soul in terms of torment, pain, agony, separation, darkness, outer darkness, weeping and gnashing of teeth, where their tongue desires a drip of water to cool their tongue because they're in agony in this flame. But that's only according to their souls. When is it going to be fully realized? In the resurrection. And then it will be according to their bodies and souls. Have that been re- is there a resurrection of the unbelievers? Well, that's what I'm wondering. That's what a good question. The answer is yes, absolutely. So, does that mean it gives them a chance to... Nope. 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 There's no nope. chance. In the nope. There's no Too chance. bad. There's no chance. You're, you're, the chance is now. Yeah. Those who see Jesus coming will bow the knee and everything else, and but they will not be saved. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Some to their shame and some to their glory. Yeah. Wow. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. I want Revelation 14. Did I do for Revelation 14? I did. I want Revelation 20, 14 and 15. And then we're going to do some work. I want Revelation 20, 14 and 15. Revelation 14 and 15. Read the verses 14 and 15 in Revelation 20. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Another name for? Hell. Hell. Uh, the second death. The second death. What's the first death? Physical death. Physical death. Second death is eternal death. Okay. Yeah. Good. Glad you caught that. Uh, yes, sir. That is a good question, though. Uh, in the twinkling of an eye, they say after you die, that in the twinkling of an eye, you will then see Jesus come. Yeah, I'm. There's, like I said, two schools of thought on that. One that says we won't, when we die, we'll experience, the next thing we experience is resurrection. Mm -hmm. I happen to believe, my own personal thought is when I die, I go into the paradise in the presence of Christ and experience that and then await the resurrection. Now, what, whether I'll have a concept of time, go ahead, John. 
I think there's evidence for that. We've seen it earlier in Revelation. Do you see the saints under the altar? Yes. Yes, and the saints under the altar. And the saints of the altar is the church militant, the believers on earth. And what are they doing? They're awaiting the resurrection. So I agree with you. Yes, sir. Yeah. So it, it, conversely then, if believers experience the presence of Christ waiting for the resurrection, I believe unbelievers experience the weeping and gnashing of teeth and the fire and all of that stuff yeah. in hell until the resurrection. <laughs> and then the resurrection just makes it all that better for believers, but all that worse for unbelievers. Yeah, because now they get a body to burn. Now that's, that's where I come down on it. And that's, uh, you, you don't, if Jesus says today you will be with me in paradise, it's not. It's today. That's it. It's today, but I also, you know, we have a tendency sometimes to forget the significance of the resurrection. Resurrection is awesome. That's what we look forward yeah. to, because without our bodies, we're not. What did Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, have in paradise? Body and soul. What are we going to have in paradise of heaven after the resurrection? And Body and soul. So we look forward to that. Now, the in-between, that's up to people's opinions, but I agree with John. There's precedence to, to acknowledge that uh, there, is a, there is an experience of something in between death and resurrection. Okay. And I have no problem with going with that. Yes, ma'am. So if you're cremated, you still <sighs> Body and soul? Okay, good, good, good. Oh, this is so wonderful. <laughs> oh, this is so wonderful. Okay. <laughs> Guess what? It'll be made perfect. This this bum knee that was replaced, it's going to be better. These teeth that have been knocked out and got crowns and caps and bridges and now implants. I'm, I'm, I'm making dentists rich. <laughs> Our bodies will be perfect. It'll be the same body. It will be the same body. But to the cremation thing, let me preface that by saying, what about those who are buried at sea? Mm -hmm. what the they get eaten by the fish and go out the other end of the fish. <laughs> right? Right. What about those who were obliterated in the atomic bombs? What happened to their bodies? Yeah. Disintegrated, cremated, if you will. But what's going to happen in the resurrection? Every human body that ever lived will be resurrected, regardless of its process of returning to the dust. What does cremation do? Turns it to dust. Just a whole lot faster, just a whole lot faster than if you're thrown into a box with formaldehyde sent through your veins. So cremation, buried on a hill in a casket, same thing. The body will be resurrected. I think the dust of the Jesus quotes. There's somebody quotes this. The dust of the oh the the dust of the earth will give up her dead. Yeah, right. I think that's in Scripture. Some the dust that's in Isaiah but, or Ezekiel. But, uh, Remember the vision of the dry bones, them bones, yeah. them bones, them dry bones, them bones, them bones, them dry bones. Come alive. Uh, now the hip bone in my Jesus case. Even said, "Out of these rocks, God can make children." Sure. You know. So there's not a problem with cremation, whether whether there's. Uh, a return to dust by man-made ways of doing it or a return to dust by natural decomposition. Either way, the very same body that lived will get the very same soul that was in that body in the resurrection, both believers and unbelievers. Great question. Good. Great question. Fear not. <laughs> now, you may have a preference of one over the other. It doesn't matter. What in, in today's way of thinking, most obituary, I, I, I'm going to do this. You know how I keep up with what's going on back in western Kansas? I read the obituaries. <laughs> Who died? Who died? I was checking my name's not in. And in a whole, whole lot of obituaries, 
This is a statement that's being made more often than not, especially since the pandemic. Cremation has taken place. See that a lot, right? Is that a problem? The only way I would say that it's a problem if someone is doing it to defy God. I'll prove that there is no resurrection. I'll prove that he can't make this body live again. I'm going to cremate it and throw it to the winds. One of the most unique burials I ever did was a 25-year-old or something that killed in a car wreck in California, and his parents lived in Dodge City, Kansas. And they wanted his ashes, he was cremated, they wanted his ashes back. But his friends wanted his ashes thrown over the whatever the mountains are in California where they did a lot of outside stuff together. So guess what? Both places. Both places. I buried half of his ashes in the cemetery in Dodge City. The other half of his ashes are somewhere blowing in the wind. I want to see that resurrection. Well, her ashes are in a little house in Mexico where a church group built houses. Uh -huh. So her ashes were there. Uh -huh. And then we took her to Alaska. There you go. Can God do that? Sure. Yeah. He made everything out of... Nothing. Nothing. He's going to pull it all together in the last day. It's going to be awesome. So then we got to make sure that, uh, like, my belief is, honestly, you can kill me, but you're not going to change my mind. <laughs> uh, you know what? We better get at least one question done today. Our pastor's going to wonder what we're doing. He does decide. Question nine. What comfort does the voice from heaven and the Spirit give to believers? The, what, what verse is that referencing? We're in the third angel, and he says, I heard... Uh, it's verse 13. Thank you. Read it again. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. All right. Wow. What's, what's the blessing? I gave it away. <laughs> what's the comfort? We are what? Blessed. Blessed. Remember what Jesus is going to say to the, when he's in the resurrection, the, the story of the separation of the sheep and the goats. He'll say to the goats, depart from me, you who are cursed. But then he'll say to the sheep, those on his right, come inherit the kingdom that's prepared for you. You are blessed. Blessed are you. And that's a wonder. Blessed by who? Who does the blessing? God. Do we do bless ourselves? No. So you dare not use that Matthew 25 passage where you get heaven because you fed the hungry and you clothed the naked and you visited the sick and so on and the, those in prison. Those are just works that God acknowledges as a result of faith. You aren't blessed because of those. You are blessed because God blessed you and then enabled you to do that as a proof of your faith. Come you who are blessed by my Father and inherit the kingdom prepared for you. And that's what it says. Blessed are the dead who what? Die in the Lord. From what point? Now on. When's the now on? I think from the time of my death. And they will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. In other words, they'll be acknowledged and rewarded. But their deeds were deeds that God had prepared ahead of time for them to do. Ephesians 2 verse 10 and then I got to quit. And we got through question number 9. Wow. Good job. Sorry. I'm sorry it took so long. We went to hell and back. Was I not finished? I want Ephesians verse Ephesians 2 verse 10. We get the 8 and 9 all the time right, but we got to remember there's a verse 10. Pastor's going to come back to this class and say you guys did absolutely nothing. Well, notice how far we've gotten in this many years. <laughs> <laughs> Good time we're dust. Yep. We're Ephesians 2.10. Someone. Then we got to close. Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance that we should walk in them. 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works, or God prepared in advance for us to do. So who makes the good works ahead of time? But who provides the good works to be done? God does. And who enables us to do it? God does. There's, there's no works righteousness here. We're simply doing what God expects of us and enables us through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. All we can do is handle his, what He has given us. What He has already prepared ahead of time to be done. And He's given it to us yep. from Him. Thank you for putting up with me. <laughs>